Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 21st episode of Tales of Tamriel. We are now old enough to drink. Yes, we are legal to drink now as a podcast. I am your humble host, Ajelos, and with me this evening, he, she who is dazzled by shiny things, Face. How are you doing this afternoon, my dear? I am doing fantastic. It's, you know, it's a, it's a warm, wonderful day. So I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Um, doing good, doing good. Uh, was out in the pool earlier, and um, there are less anacondas now, so that's a plus. Still can't see my feet, but I'm getting a little further down as we go, so it's, it's uh, clearing up ever... Ever so slowly, and it's quite an adventure, and I'm scared. I may have caught something from the pool, I'm sure. It's pretty bad. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll move on from our introductions real quick. Um, sadly, there was not a lot of news to go over this week. Uh, they seem to uh, do very little in light of E3 happening this week, and sadly, even at E3, they didn't really reveal much worth speaking. Um, though generally that's the impression I get about E3 this year as a whole it was meh nothing really exciting at all to be had at E3 well hopefully you won't feel the same way about this show so let's go ahead and uh, see what we prepared for this week moving into the game news first thing we have is ESO heads to E3 they didn't have a lot to show us at E3 but what they did do before they got there was they released a kind of a neat little trailer if you will i applaud them for that and i do like trailers of um you know uh, of gameplay and it was kind of like their trailer they showed at e3 it was it was pretty neat i liked it just but it was a standard no thrills kind of you got to see some fighting you got to see some scenery you know dramatic cameras flying through um it was pretty cool face uh I, I know you're a fan of different trailers. What do you what do you think of them releasing a trailer for E3? That it, I mean, it, it's not like anything super special. It's pretty much just very little gameplay. What do you think? It may be pretty and flashy, and they, they always do really well with their trailers. But come on, this is this is all you got, really? 
I, I just, I, I guess I feel kind of, kind of disappointed that this is that they didn't bring much at all. You know what the sad part is? Uh, other than this video, the only thing that really sparked interest in E3 is something we're going to talk about in our host rant or discussion topic. Um, is something they're not even doing. The only thing that people were interested in, they're like, yeah, no, that's not in the game. So, yeah. E3, especially for ZeniMax, they might as well not even have went. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, they just is a waste of waste of time waste of time from their group it, it was it was just bad <laughs> but uh there is a video out there if you haven't seen it it's called live another life um it, it, it's it's decent for a trailer but it's not gonna rock your socks okay we're gonna move on to the next section they did release a new patch this week version 1.1.4 the overview of the patch is they did additional fixes for gameplay and quest, as well as some miscellaneous fixes, including achievements. Now, I'm going to say first thing, they did fix the issue that I know a lot of us were having where after, uh, what was the patch? 1.2, I think it was? I can't remember. I think it was 1.2. It was the Craglorn patch, um, where it wiped out our achievement status for the quests, like in all the different zones where it's like completed X of X quest, you know, zero of 60 some, it reset it all back to nothing. And you lost those points. I can confirm those are working now. However, they did not fix the issue. I know both face and I have, and I'm assuming the entire populace as a whole, but I'd be interested to hear from our listener base, whether or not you guys have the same issue is Especially the other two factions. Ebonheart packed in the very last zone, East March. There were three specific achievements. Something, I don't know, it, killing Lob in one of the uh, one of the quests. The King's Arrow and saving Jeroon, uh, the Scald King. Those three achievements, which you were supposed to get for finishing these, these long story arcs, we never got. Like, never once. They're only like five-point achievements, but I haven't got them. And they haven't fixed them here. They only fixed the resetting. So I'm kind of curious if other Ebonheart pack players are also missing those same three. As well as I'm curious if Aldmari Dominion and uh, Daggerfall Covenant are missing the last three from their final zones. Or any, to be honest, that you think you should have got. Um, you were looking through the notes earlier, Thace. Did you find one thing you thought was interesting you mentioned to me in the pre-show? Uh, yeah, they, they mess with sorcerers, which just makes me sad because from what I remember, they, they had already done something to bolt escape and then they, they mentioned it again and, and I guess I don't quite understand, but what it says for sorcerer and storm calling, bolt escape, after using bolt escape, the next use within four seconds costs 50% more. That's, that's a lot. Wow. And then it also says Endless Fury, Mage's Fury Morph. This ability now restores Magicka when you kill enemies with it as intended. I thought that was a little wonky. So I, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad they fixed that. And they're still continuing to do adjustments, which is really good to see. Um, yeah, like it looks like you definitely got at least one fix for the Endless Fury, but I'm curious of whether or not the Bolt Escape 
was that that change was put in because remember there there was a uh, a bug going out where sorcerers were just using it over and over and over and over again and got like halfway across the map. Uh, I think it was also tied to a uh, unlimited magicka bug, but I think what they're trying to do with this is limit. Because even if a sorcerer in PvP, for instance, decides he doesn't want to fight, if he has full Magicka, he can just bolt, 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 you know, until he's out of Magicka, and he'll be so far away there's no way to kill him. I'm assuming the reason why they're doing this is to limit that, so it's kind of... You should really only use it once. If you want to use it more as an escape mechanic, you're going to pay for it. I actually don't even have this unlocked yet. I've been very picky about the skills that I choose, and I, I guess, oh wait, okay, I, I guess I'll save this for when we get to our, our tail section. So, all right, but yes, that they, they did fix that, and it was exciting to see that they are still making changes. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're definitely, this patch is a lot of fixes and stuff like that. And um, the, here's one that I know people were complaining about. In Cold Harbor, the Lights of Meridia, you'll now receive the achievement if you chose to side with the Warriors. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. I think the Warriors are referring to the uh, Argonians down where you had to either choose the Scholars or the Warriors. We chose the Scholars anyway, so it didn't affect us. So when people were complaining about it in zone chat, going, I didn't get this achievement, I'm like, well, I did. Well, now I realize why they didn't. We know who they picked. <laughs> so that was the patch notes. Go out and read them if you're interested, if you're looking for a specific quest or something. Um there wasn't a whole lot of changes otherwise, and it's mostly just bug fixes. So that was patch 1.1.4. Continuing the trend of their weekly, I guess, um, community events, if you will, or community corner, they released another Battlemaster corner, and this one is the Dragon Knight Healer. Um... I, I guess if Dragon Knights are OP as it is, you might as well make them do every other job in the world. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. As soon as I looked at this and I, and I read to myself the Dragon Knight healer, I had the same exact thought. They, they can already out-DPS. They can already, you know, outlive. Now they can out-heal my Breton Sorcerer. That's just that's just great. What, what am I needed for now? Well, it... it it's also weird if they do the bound armor. No, they, they don't have bound armor. I'm sorry. The uh, infused armor, I think it is. Uh, I'm sorry, Dragon Knights. Your class is OP, so I refuse to touch it. Um, it, it it's one where it's like spiked, spiked armor. It, it will actually give you benefits that you can keep it going. So they can wear full light armor, cast spiked armor, and have essentially up to plate level protection as a healer. And they can pretty much keep it spamming because keeping full uh, light armor, they'll have constant magicka regen. So, um, so yeah, the guy says during beta he tried different builds, to, and the one that he liked most with the Dragonite was with the Restoration Staff. So now he's playing an Altmer Dragonite healer, and he says who is also a woodworker, a smith, and a clovier. She's currently VR1 and uses light armor with a few heavy armor pieces for extra durability. So, oh, where's the crafted Song of the Lamia set? Uh, but at the moment, she simultaneously has the Magicka Furnace set. That's pretty neat. So, 
I guess right what he has for his weapon sets is he's using the restoration staff, defending trait, fire enchantment. Interesting. He does inhale, immovable, which is from the um, heavy armor, if I remember correctly. Dragon's blood, dark talons, lava whip, and he's using magma armor as his ultimate. Um, He goes on to say that Dark Talons and Inhale work wonders in the middle of a group of mobs. Lava Whip is the weapon of choice against one enemy. I occasionally use a heavy attack to restore Magicka. Unstoppable is the only stamina ability in this setup, so I can use it pretty often. Corrosive Armor with both Battle Roar passives is a gigantic panic button as it combines super strong damage mitigation with heavy burst restore on all primary stats. Um... Yeah, considering the fact stamina builds are pretty much broken at the moment anyway, you pretty much want to stay away from stamina. Now, he has a second weapon set that he says he uses for group and healing, you know, group play and healing. Um, He's using a restoration staff with a power trait and armor reduction enchant. He uses blessing of protection, immovable regeneration, steadfast ward, obsidian shield, and magma armor yet again. Morph Regeneration is the best and most cost-effective heal in the game, in my opinion. My choice is Mutation for the uh, Morph. I keep it on all the time in group dungeons. When you add... What is that? You know what that word is? I'm sorry. Igneous, thank you. Igneous Shield and Combat Prayer to, uh, to that at the start of the fight. Tanks and DPS will have a strong and safe start. I refresh Combat Prayer occasionally when I can get at least two group members in front of me, but I don't try to keep it up on them all the time. When someone's health gets low, I use Healing Ward, followed by Combat Prayer. Uh, he apparently says he uses this in Cyrodiil well, as well. I use Mutation less, but Igneous Shield and Combat Prayer are great because you can hit a lot of people with them. Um, he also uses Shield for Siege Weapon users because it gives them some peace of mind. Corrosive Armor, again, is a panic button. I love the the versatility as she is durable, can heal, and has strong AoE skills. The build's main weakness is dealing damage to a strong single target like bosses. Well, I mean, it's a dragon knight, so the only thing that would make it more OP is if it was a vampire, too. (laughs) There you go, guys. It is the Battlemaster Corner. Check out the dragon knight healer. And, uh, let me know what you think, because I, I, I mean, I know you can use everything. Every class can do everything. And I know that the Destruction Flame Staff is a big, big one for Dragon Knights. But uh, I haven't really heard of a lot of Restoration Staff users, especially as Dragon Knight. What do you think? I think it's interesting. If I was to ever attempt a Dragon Knight, which I don't, I don't foresee in the future... I could see myself trying this because I I enjoy healing so much that this would probably be something I would give a try. I might might tweak a few things if I was a Dragon Knight, maybe more heavy armor pieces, especially if you're going towards using Magicka, you you might want the more defense. But it's it's pretty interesting how this this person was able to mix these two things together. Right, right, and actually from what I remember hearing is restoration staff is almost the best thing to use no matter what class you are. Like even my Templar, 
the, almost everyone who's been that I've been hearing that's been healing on a Templar refuses to use Templar abilities, with the exception of maybe Purify. Um, that's about it because the Templar abilities are very high cost for the amount of heal that you do. Most of the people I see that use Templar heals are DPS builds that want a I need to make sure I can heal myself button like I do because <laughs> it's not mana efficient at all. So interesting. Moving on to the next section again. Uh, this is pretty much all we got, folks, just so you know. It's all their community outlet reach stuff. It is the guild spotlight, and this time, and actually, this time I like the guild that they're doing, the Old Timers Guild. Now, I know these guys have been around for a long time, originally formed back in 2005 for a DDO beta, according to this. They have an age restriction that you need to be 25 or up, which I like. I'm older now, so I, I like that whole keep the kids away from me kind of thing. Um, so that's really neat. Now, this is a multi-gaming community more than a guild, as you will. And they have over 8,000 members in chapters across a whole bunch of different games. Because I know, actually, for instance, I'm going to break off here. Um, I think they're they're allied with the Mognation Gaming in Wildstar. So they're, they're grouped up together for some sort of cooperative play. I'm not really sure at the moment. I haven't talked to Cash lately. <laughs> but I do remember that they are allied with them in Wildstar. So they're a very, very big group of people. And if you're interested in joining, you should check them out. Again, you got to be 25 or older. This is this is for us old geezers out there. It's oldtimersguild.com. If you're interested in checking out the rest of the article, it is on the main webpage. Definitely a good guild to actually pick. It's a really, really, really popular guild. Okay, the last bit of news we have this week, again, is another one of their community programs, and this is the Adventure Handbook issue number three. Now, same thing is this uh, Adventure Handbook is just a collection of player-created guides, um, and this, this week they're featuring guides about healing, enchanting, and lore. So it looks like they have... An enchanting one from ElderScrollsOnline.info has an enchanting guide out there. Um, I'm actually probably going to have to give that a read because enchanting for me is just going terribly, terribly slow. Next up, they have a form poster, Tiny Thinker. That's pretty awesome. Has taken time to compile some useful tips for healers. And that's out there on the official Elder Scrolls Online forms. You can get to it directly from this the link in here. And the last link for today, and it's the one that I love the most, is the Imperial Library. So it's nice to see that they're finally being honored with uh, with something from the official site. Because I know we did a community spotlight out for the Imperial Library a couple weeks back. We love the Imperial Library. We rip all of our books from them. So if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a reading because I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty lazy. There's no way I'd have the game up and copy it you know, word for word. If I can't copy paste, I'm not doing it there. You can see how lazy I really, really am, but it's true. So Imperial library, go out and check them out. They are wonderful. So that is the end of our news for this week. We're going to move on to our next topic, which is our discussion slash host rant. And it's going to be pretty short for this week, but I did want to mention this because there's been a lot of, 
lot of chatter around the net and around the Elder Scrolls community about something that Zenimax showed at E3. I'm going to give everyone a little bit of a preface here. When they came in, they actually hooked up nine computers at E3, and they actually set up a small zone in Cyrodiil. I think it's in Cyrodiil. It was like a little arena where there was a flag in the center, and three people sat down, and you picked an alliance, and it was three versus three versus three map. Now, when like people were excited to play this at E3, people got in here and go, this is so cool. I can't wait to go home and actually try it. And the devs were like, oh, well, this this isn't this isn't in the game. We only set this up for conventions. They have no plans, and I'm going to stress this, everyone. No plans to add this into the game yet. And I say yet because, of course, they're being cryptic, and they're like, oh, well, if enough fans say that they want it, then we'll add it. I'm gonna I'm gonna call a little bit of BS on Zenimax right now because this is a little bit of a rant going on. People have been wanting arenas from the start, guys. So saying, oh, if people want this kind of thing, we'll add it. People have been asking for this smaller types of PvP for a long time, a long time. Zenimax, hold on, hold on. I'm just gonna check. Hold on, checking my audio volume. Make sure that my mic's on. Zenimax, can you hear me? People want this for a long time. Dear heaven above, take a clue. Um, 3v3v3 arenas. These, what do you what do you feel about this? Well, I'm um, I'm a little scared right now at your at your tone and yelling at your PC. I I mean everyone knows all of, anyone who listens to the podcast knows how I feel about PVP and but what 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 did Deltia call them the PVP meatheads yes okay this it, it would be interesting because it would be a type of arena that no one has really seen yet so it it would it would certainly be it'd be interesting and it would be different and you would have to think way differently to go about a 3v3v3 than you would, you know, two on two. It sh- if, if a lot of people want this, it, it definitely should be something that they should put in. They should try it, see how it goes, see what people can make of it. The only problem with that is I think the classes would need a little more balancing. And it would also that we would also need. What 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 class balance are you talking about? No one goes into PvP unless they're a dragon knight, vampire, sork. Anyway, you know what does it matter? There is no class. There are no other classes in PvP, and if you're not a vampire, dragon knight, you don't PvP. A dragon knight, vampire, sorcerer, right? Yeah. Only yep. only if they allow multi-classing. And I guess I say sorcerer because I mean flame staff. So that's what I mean by sorcerer, not the class. It's vampire, dragon knight, destruction staff, and that's it. You no other no other build is viable in PvP. You know, VR ten with a uh, a mix of heavy armor and light armor because stamina sucks. So yeah. okay, I got it's this. It's VR twelve now, but yes. All right. So all right. Well then. Well then. Wow. So no one else stands a chance. It's just that one class. <laughs> But it it could be something to try. It, it'd be interesting. I would probably give it a try, which would 
and horribly. I'd be throwing stuff around the house. And I just, I, I guess I don't quite understand why they would set it up to tease everybody and make everybody mad and, and, and kind of like it. And then be like, no, this is, we're just, we're just taunting you with something you can't have. It's like giving you a piece of candy, letting you taste it, and then taking it away. Not cool, Zenimax. Not cool. Well, in defense, I will say this for Zenimax. The whole purpose of it is it's hard to experience Cyrodiil because we all know Cyrodiil is huge. They would need a lot of computers, and they have limited space at E3. They could only bring nine computers, so they set this up for smaller conventions. Um, But it's a lot of them are like, oh, no, we want to focus on Cyrodiil. Because we want that to be... They're afraid it'll take away from Cyrodiil. Zenimax, Cyrodiil is dead. They're, seriously. PvP Cyrodiil is dead. Look at the campaigns. None of them, except for maybe one, is actually at all full anymore. All of them are low population. No one goes into Cyrodiil anymore because it's not fun. Mostly because of your love of Dragon Knight you know, vampire sorcerers that just kill all the joy for everybody. And also the type of gameplay style that we've talked about earlier, having a longer gameplay or, you know, campaign, people are just losing interest. But Cyrodiil is dead. Like, you go in there, I'm lucky to find people unless I attack a keep and throw it up, then maybe that one vampire sorcerer is out there, you know, will come and wipe my entire party. Um, That's what the problem is. They're worried about Cyrodiil being dead. PvP in Elder Scrolls Online is dead. They have too many campaigns, not enough people to fill them. Honestly, even with their mega server technology, they could get away with three campaigns at this point because they're never full. Ever. Ever. Ever full. So, Zenimax, stop worrying about your Cyrodiil PvP because apparently you didn't do it right in the first time because no one cares about it. There's not enough reward, not enough to make people really want to go in there and do it. To me, Cyrodiil right now is essentially what Wintergrass was when a battle wasn't going on. It's, I can go PvE and quest in there and hope I don't get ganked. It's an open world, free-for-all gank PvP. That's what it is. You go in there, you can gank people. But to me, I go into Cyrodiil and I PvE because to be honest... On my campaign, I can run around anywhere on the map, and I'll be lucky if I see an enemy player. Like, like I really will. It's, you know, you might as well just take PvP away from our campaign, because there is none to be had. That's how I feel about it. That's how it goes. I mean, on our campaign, when the last Emperor was crowned 40-some days ago and hasn't been dethroned, that means there's no one else in there to take the stuff back. No one cares. So that's that's a problem. And if they're worried about their PvP dying in Cyrodiil if they release smaller games, well, it's already dead. You might as well try to get your PvPers back in another way. <sighs> Slash rant off. Do you have anything else you want to say on this before we move on? Um, uh, you, you did say something that I agree with. Any game that comes out with this type of PvP... They always give you way too many PvP servers to join. That's always how it is. Always. And then if, if you allow the option to people change, for people to change their, their campaign, 
people are always going to jump ship. If, if you want Sierra Dell to come back, you need to push these players together. You really need to take out some of these campaigns. Some of the some of the campaign servers cannot have so many. And that, that would be one way to bring it back. If you have less, where are people going to go? They're not going to have many choices. We're going to be stuck fighting each other. That was... So one point I, I agree with you on. Excellent. As I said, our host rant was really small, but it was just something that it was really weighing on me, especially with the rest of it. Like The reason why they didn't want to put it in is they didn't want it to harm Cyrodiil. Well, Cyrodiil, as the gameplay that they were looking for, at least on 90% of their campaigns, is dead. Like, it's never... That second bar, you know, that medium bar, never hits for any alliance anywhere, except for, like, on Wabajack. And maybe the two-week PvP campaign, I haven't looked at it. But other than Wabajack and that one, everything is low population. So, essentially, what they should have done is this um, dynamic campaign spin-up. When you join Cyrodiil... The first one's created. I don't care what it will just... We'll call it... Uh, Cyrodiil A. When it reaches its cap, Cyrodiil B forms, and everyone can go into that. You started off with too many, and now it's... Now you have to condense them down. You should have just done one. Yeah, there might have been a little bit of gripe at one point when people are trying to get into a campaign, and, oh, it's full, and Zenimax takes time to spin up another one, depends on how long it would take them to do it, but that would have been the wiser solution would be to do a dynamic startup of campaigns that when one is full, another one opens. But now you're sitting here with 20 campaigns that are all empty because there's not enough people. Because no one wants to play it because it is... You know, the type of gameplay it is is unbalanced. So I'm not calling for class balance that it has to be perfect in a one-on-one fight. But a one-on-12 fight is a little different. One person should be able to kill 12 people, period. And that's what's happening. And that's what I think killed a lot of people. That's why I said shouldn't, didn't I? Oh, oh, okay. Well, it shouldn't be able to. So that's your problem, Zenimax. Might as well just release arenas and release battlegrounds now because Cyrodiil is nothing more than a giant... PvE zone where people can play or kill, PK each other. That's it. You might as well make it free-for-all. Just remove all factions and just make it a free-for-all, kill anyone you want. That would Actually, that would be more interesting, to be honest. Maybe something for the AD people on our side to do, kill each other off. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on to the next section of our podcast, which is the Tales of Tamriel, our favorite part. Let's start off again by talking about what our characters, like, how are we playing them now? Face, you, you start. Okay. So this week I have done something a little different. Ag and I were, were doing questing, and we wound up in this, this one quest area where we were we had to save an NPC. And there was a person who was already there doing their quest. And... As we're following behind this guy, I notice that he is shooting flames out from around his body. He, he raised his staff in the air, and then flames just shot out all around him. And I was impressed, and he was, he was doing lots of damage to the mobs. And my immediate thought was, oh, I want to do that. I want to be able to do that. So 
I message him and I find out that it was the skill impulse. I was I I I was so amazed. I am very picky about the skills that I choose. I actually have not opened up every single sorcerer or destruction staff skill because in just reading the skill, you don't always get a feel for for how it is. So I did unlock Impulse, finally. I also unlocked Daedric Mines, which I've been really liking. Is that that blue flame one that goes on the floor that you can kind of throw out there? Because he was doing that in there because you were just amazed at the amount of fire because he was throwing this what looked like a, a ball of fire, blue flame in the air. When it hit the ground, it formed a Daedric symbol and like exploded out. Is that the one? That that might be. It, it kind of happens like that. I don't think it looks like a blue flame, though. But yes, you, you shoot it out and it lands around you, kind of like in a semicircle, and then three more circles spawn. And if an enemy steps into it, it it takes a few seconds to arm, and then it can just, you know, explode and stops them. So I'm, I'm enjoying those two skills together. And I'm, I'm glad I picked them up, because they, they just... They've been working really well, especially with with our our, our tail. When we continue our tail section, I, I was, you know, whooping some butt with uh with that impulse skill. I can't wait to see what it looks like with with a different staff because I've been using a fire staff right now, and it's just oh, it does so much damage. Oh, I love it. Uh, other than that, I haven't gone back to the daggers yet because. With us nearing the end of our, our our cold harbor journey, I was afraid of dying repeatedly. <laughs> so yeah, that's that is where I'm at. How about you? Well, um, we are about halfway through veteran rank one. Now keep in mind, everyone, that we were still in cold harbor all this time. We hit VR one a while ago, but we weren't really doing VR quest and zones. So our experience is kind of it's kind of like playing in a level 30 zone at level 40 that's essentially what we're doing right now we're leveling off of green monster grazing greens at this point you know quester green to gray um that's just how we level now i'm still rocking the media or the light armor because i'm still trying to get 50 in that i'm getting close i think i'm 41 uh i'm also 39 in medium armor and that's that's going well. Um, I've I'm still working on the bow, but I've made some changes to my final build, which may again happen again because I've been playing on ESO head. I do that from time to time, and I make tweaks um, that I am doing away with the bow because as of now, stamina builds are are just bad. Like it is now. That being said, I refuse to give up my greatsword. That will always be my we second weapon set, no matter what, because I love that greatsword, and I'm not giving that up. That'll be my melee greatsword. Now, the way my character's done with stats is I have 20 in each magicka and stamina, and then 9 in health. That's my final. Because um, I, I do hope they, uh, they bring back stamina builds a little bit, because I really want to be a hybrid between the two as a Templar. Now, my the way my bars are currently set up is I am rocking um, Execute, Cleave, which now is the one that it's morphed to um, gave me Ultimate, and I'm also using Wrecking Blow, actually thanks to uh, 
friend of the podcast road of tso cast he was talking about wrecking blow in in uh tso cast a few episodes ago and so i've i've changed it or morphed it up to wrecking blow and it's it's a pretty nice cc and damage ability even with the long recast time um then i'm using biting jabs from the adric spear line and that's just amazing and of course my heal because i need my 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 heal uh, that's saved us several times already. Uh, Ultimate, I'm still rocking the Nova, but as soon as I get my Fighters Guild up to 10, I'm going to put Dawn, Dawnbreaker on there and morph it to Flawless Dawnbreaker because that will actually boost my weapon skills, my feats, by quite a bit. Now, for my secondary, I'm still rocking the bow, um, but I'm actually my final build is actually probably going to be a Flame Destruction Staff. Yeah, I have a lot of magic. I'm pretty evenly done, so I'm probably going to go flame staff on that. Um, I don't remember offhand what abilities I'm going to be using on that, but once my bow hits 50, I'm going to park that on the shelf and start leveling that destruction staff. But I did get, uh, well, of course, by the end of our tales, you'll find out you actually get rank six in soul magic, and that will unlock the ultimate in that tree. And I wanted that to be my range ultimate because I hear that is just insanely powerful. So that's how my character currently is. He's still running around with medium armor or light armor and uh, rocking the bow. But that'll probably change pretty soon too as well. So that's our characters for now. Now before we begin our tales, because of what we've been working on, which is the final section, I'm going to say it right now. This is a heavy, heavy spoilers for the end of the game. So if you have not beaten the the final quest of the main storyline, the main scenario, please skip to the next section if you care about spoilers. Because this will be very heavy spoilers. And where we left off doesn't allow for a lot of other quests there were very few other side quests so check the notes look at the timestamps, and skip ahead to the next section all right so judging from last week we last week where we left off was we had started our assault on the um the northern third of cold harbor and we were making our way across the chasm now if i remember correctly we made it all the way up to where we ran into that one crazy crazy dramora lady who had helped us out in the tower of lies and in a few other locations and she actually helps you get the key into the labyrinth which was the final location that we were where we left off our final assault um now that's where we left off now we didn't talk about the side panels though where we went like the first place when you get into that northern third and you cross the chasm you assist her and you're launching an assault on the city that Moleg Ball has. Like, you ripped it into Nurna. Now, that's like the final uh, assault up into his realm, up until the Endless Stair. Now, while we're in there, it's kind of neat because we, we rallied all of our forces together and we're making our way through. And we actually have to sneak into this city and cause havoc. And this Dramora lady's helping us out the entire way. And if you played Elder Scrolls, you know you shouldn't make deals with Dramora because it never turns out well. Um, but she's just helping us out. Like, yeah, you should really just, you know, go through uh, 
this section over here, I hear there's a problem. You know, like it's she's helping you out. You don't really know what her motives are. Now, we lay an assault on the city and we unbar the magic barring the fighters guild and the mages guild within the city to allow them to come in because when the city was pulled into cold harbor the the magic around these two guilds locked entry into them so there was no way to actually get into these guild halls from the outside so the dramor were unable to get inside but likewise they weren't able to get out either so they knew a secret path into the the bottom of like through the basement into these the halls and you had to go in and break the the sigils to allow them to launch an assault on the city itself so now we went we did that now we're pushing forward pushing 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 all the way up and the whole idea is to get the key into moleg ball's labyrinth his personal chambers his realm where he's at and uh we get all the way up to the top we have to help some vampires. That was kind of neat. We had a choice. There was something in the what? What was it called? Go ahead. It was called um the orchard, and it it was all the vampires, and it it had I forget, forget the harvest heart. Is that what it was? All right. We had to destroy the harvest heart, and we're the quest starts where we have to get rid of these vampires. So we're marking houses that are going to be targeted by the mage's guild. And every time we go near a vampire lair, there's a woman that pops out that's effectively yelling at us. And every time she does it, it's making me think, like, what? why does she keep yelling at us? Is this, like, what? what is the story behind this woman? So we gather all the blood we need, we mark all the, the vampire lairs, and we're heading to destroy the harvest heart for, for some ritual. And when we get there, there's an argument between that elf. Do you remember what his name was? Uh, Valerian. That's right. And she's he's arguing with this vampire mother. And then you're given a choice. Well, my immediate choice is to help the vampire. And... Ag and I actually fought for a few minutes over who we wanted to help, and we, we almost went different ways because he so badly did not want to help the vampires, but I think they, they made a good case. You know, the, the, this vampire mother was saying that Moleg Ball tricked her children and that if we helped her free her children, they would fight for us, help us take down Moleg Ball. And... The elf guy, all he wanted to do was drive the vampires insane, which I, I think would have been more of a threat. And after after Ag came to his senses, he realized that, you know, maybe having them all driven insane probably wasn't the best idea. So we both decided to help the vampire. And in turn, we, we, we actually did get assistance from... These vampires in in the orchard, and we were able to destroy the harvest heart. The only reason why I picked their help was because there wasn't an option to just outright massacre them as a whole, driving them insane. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, "Well, it's great. Now they're going to be the bloodthirsty beasts that just eat everything, like in uh, East March." 
So that's why I went with it. If there was an option just to destroy them all, that's what I would have went with. I hate vampires. Maybe it's, you know, because of that Cyrodiil PvP. Oops, did I say that? Yeah, I did. Now, the next section, which is one of my favorites, is the... Uh, oh, crud, what was the name of that place? It was up in the western section. Uh, it was... I, I forget what it was called now. Yes, yes, that's what it is. It was something... The, the castle, the Tower of Revelry, I think it was. Right. Now, thankfully, we do have someone who's going to, who mentioned it earlier because we were talking about Stibbins before, but now we actually find him yet again in the throngs of some lovely ladies. And thankfully, you know, this time they're not winged twilights, but they are using illusion to seduce him. So we had to go and save his bum again. It's quite a funny storyline. I really don't want to ruin too much of it because it's just really funny, like, what happens to the poor old Stibbins. And it just cracked me up. But we actually rescued him. Now, the other, we went to the other side as well, and we found what was called the Lost Fleet, a bunch of these different ships. And here, what had happened was all these different ships had got sucked into Cold Harbor at one point in time. And this one guy, I get, became a captain of a ship, made a deal with Molag Ball, and got a crown of bones that allowed him to control all the other skeletons. Now, he's calling himself the admiral now of all these other ships. And who do we meet there? We actually met her from uh, Shadowfen, uh, something one-eye. She's an Argonian kind of... She's not really with the Evanhart pack, but she's kind of like a shady pirate under dealer kind of argonian scum that she is i don't really like her but she wants us to go take revenge on him so we're going we got to stop him but what is really neat is by the end of the quest when you kill him she wants the crown like she's like i talked to several of these skeletons they're like my dead ancestors so now they're going to help me so why don't you give me the crown and this lady like just rubs me the wrong way because she's a pirate and really doesn't have any morals at all and the type of character I play, the uh, the paladin type, I just I wasn't I was I wanted to destroy it. I didn't want to give it to her. So I think that's what we both picked, correct? We both picked to destroy the crown of bones because she's like, oh, I'll just use it and control everything. She was way too shady for me to choose to give it to her because I I liked her, I did, and and we were when we were nearing the end of the quest, I'm thinking, okay, she's not that bad, you know. She she's talking about how she wants to free these people and she wants to. You know, these these are her people, and and she found parts of her family. But then all of a sudden, she goes, "So you know, you can give it to me, and then I'll use it to you know stop Molly Ball." And, and and she's like, "No, that's no. This has to be destroyed. There's no way we can allow this to continue." So yes, that we there was no dispute between us over that. We both wanted to destroy that. And even so, it was a relic crafted by Molek Ball himself. Like, that's that's kind of like using fire to fight fire. It just doesn't work. It just exacerbates the problem. That's all it does. So, you know, for the sake of sake of everybody, we destroyed that. Now, 
we actually made it all the way through the chasm and one of the neatest parts was we actually find out what that dramora woman was up to apparently the guy who holds the key their two clans like the dramora clans apparently they're like even though they hate mortal life they hate each other too so when they're not killing mortals they fight each other it's just a great old bloodbath time for them and through trickery he banished all of her clan except for her into the void now apparently dramora cannot die they simply are banished into the void which i guess they lose all sense of self and it's just empty nothingness um until their bodies reform and then they're reincarnated essentially back into oblivion but she's like it could be a very long time even amongst the you know my immortal being a very long time for us to come back when we're slain we don't die we just take a very long time to come back and she swore vengeance but she also made a promise to him that she would not hurt him by her own hand so she kind of crafted us into killing him and banishing him into the void so now we're up to the point where we're pushing in to moleg ball's realm of the labyrinth and what's really neat is as we're going through this is the final push guys this is all the way through where we have to go in and put a stop um we go all the way through and we actually go in and as you're going through it's kind of neat because you're in his big library and i heard this was a hard time for people before where it was kind of bugged out because when you're in his library you have to shoot flames at these different pipes in the wall to get the door to open apparently people were having to jump off in order to get ones but it actually worked really well for us we had no problem uh the dark room was really fun because we went into this one section it was like completely pitch black you could hardly see anything um i was casting spells just so i could see by the light of my spells um i know you had your mage light out just so you could see I had my mage light, but he also cast a spell on me. If you had noticed, I had two floating around me. That's why wherever I walked, there was always light because I had a spell that he had given me and my mage light, which was good because even in a video game, darkness freaks me out. And oh, and we should we should tell the the dungeon story, you know, later. So yes, yeah, darkness freaks me out. So I didn't I didn't quite enjoy that part because it's it's really freaky how dark this place was, and it was just. Oh, I didn't like it. Right. Um, and as we're going through, we actually make our way all the way through this and gather our forces together and go into this, the planar vortex or whatever it's called to stop it. Now, at this point in time, the groundskeeper has revealed to us who she really is. She's Meridia, the Daedric Prince. Um, and the city, of course, is hers. Which, if you play, she gave a lot of hints. Um, even though she kind of knew all about the lights of Meridia and stuff like that. and all, she, The way she just acted, it, it was kind of interesting. But yeah, she actually is Meridia herself in, in the realm. And you actually, she helps and assists you throughout the fight to take it to Moleg Ball. Now, the sad part is when the planes, when we actually break the final anchors inside and channel all of our energy into into destroying this planar vortex she t yells for everyone to get inside the bubble 
But uh, when it goes off, we actually become a beacon of light, and we're the ones who actually destroy the planar. Like, all the power's channeled through us. But they're, again, as this game is, Elder Scrolls, always sad. We lose some of our friends. King, uh, um, the Iliad King, Dine, I think his name was. Yeah. And uh, he actually dies. Like, you get to talk to him. Like, your final quest is to talk to him. And he, he passes off. He's the last of the Iliad people. And he passes in the Hallowed City. As well as we lose a funny, cracking knight, Darien, who I thought was hilarious. But he was outside the blast portal when that went off, and we weren't able to find him either. It was just a really, really sad ending. Now, that doesn't end the story. You still get a call from the prophet and his people to finish off the final part and get your soul back. But we're not going to talk about that one, because that one is a the Coleman or the culmination of this story is just awesome and you will totally enjoy it. You should go out and definitely do that. Now, after, after all that, um, one thing I do want to say is Cadwell is hilarious. You should talk to him every chance you get in cold Harbor because he is just the best character in this game. Hands down. Um, but we actually got ported to our next section which in for the VR side, uh, Meridia gives us a gift where we're allowed to see things through the eyes of the of the of the enemies, which essentially is a dragon break if you want to go by it. And uh, the first place the Ebonheart Pack gets sent to is actually the Daggerfall Covenant. Now we had been discussing this a little bit before, where because of how the story's portrayed, it's essentially like you're you're not the hero you were before. No one knows you that we decided at this point we were going to start on one of our alt classes and start working on those. Now, we didn't know which one we were going to do at the time because we didn't know where we were actually going to start. Now that we know that Daggerfall is where we started, we picked up our two Imperials because we each created an Imperial for the Daggerfall Covenant, and I made dun 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 an Imperial Dragon Knight. And you are an Imperial... Templar, correct? Yes. So we actually went, we performed our Ritual of Mara, and our next tales will probably involve a mixture of our mains gameplay, what we've done, as well as the gameplay of the Daggerfall Covenant. Because what we're going to be doing is we're probably going to play through the entire zone as it was meant to be played as Daggerfall, and then we're going to rush through it on our mains just to get the points and stuff because we want to see how the story was supposed to be portrayed as as those original characters so we're starting the new characters and when they finish the zone then we'll probably go and finish the zone on the vr side and, and leapfrog our way like that so um one final note is we did get to do a couple dungeons this week with couple of our guildies uh kipster our rent a kip and uh i'm gonna just call him trent for now because he knows who he is because i can't pronounce his name because i butchered it when we were in vent so it was we had a lot of fun we actually did a couple of the the lower dungeon not lower dungeons the ones we didn't do the uh the 45 range ones it was the black what it, the black sail dungeon and um celine's web 
Now, the main reason why we wanted to even highlight this was I really wish, I really wish, like, we were in Vent the entire time just talking while we were working on this, and Thais was freaking out the entire time we were doing Saline's Web Dungeon. It got to the point where she actually, when we got to the final boss, which is a giant spider, she screamed, jumped out of her chair, and ran out of the room while we're fighting. There's a reason for that. The, we 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 get to the throughout the dungeon. I had been hanging back, and I'm just I'm sitting here with my eyes closed, going, "Egg, am I healing? Am I hitting anybody? Is anybody dying?" Because I just I I didn't want to look. And when we get to the final the final boss room, you have to step out on the the the, the battle takes place on her web. So Ag, Kip, and Trent. We're all standing there going, go ahead, Thais, you go out there first. And by this point, I'm already in tears because I don't want to step on the web. And I'm freaking out and I'm like inching forward and they're taunting me over bend, over bend. Go on, go, go, Thais, go, 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 you got this. So finally, I just like close my eyes and I, I walk out on the web and, oh, it was it was something out of my worst nightmare when because I don't like when they when when the, when the eight-legged things they do that that suspended butt dangle I can't I can't handle it and then they can go like up and down and it just oh, it freaks me out and as soon as the battle starts I think it was it had to be Kipster I know it was Kipster as soon as the battle started he ran at the boss and pulled it right to me so <laughs> well that's because you were like i'm not going any further i'm on the web i'm within range we're good enough so kip's like all right he goes pulls the boss and drags it directly on top of you <laughs> effectively giving me a heart attack so then i i like ran across the web i'm like running into things i'm being webbed i'm screaming ag is laughing he's holding down his vent button they're laughing over vent I eventually have no idea what's going on until the web breaks and we like land like wham right on the ground and I can I can finally look again because now we see her her alternate alternate form or whatever and it's a person and like oh, okay I can heal we're good but you know every now and then she she would web us and I I jump out of my chair again and it it was not. Fun. It was a nightmare. That butt dangly thing can't can't handle it. <sighs> that was the highlight of my entire week, just so you know. And uh, I think Kip, Trent, and I we're all gonna do a weekly uh, spindle clutch and or Cel uh, Celine's web dungeons with you. Just that's what we're gonna do every every week. We're just gonna run those for no greater reason than to hear you freak out. We'll have to set up a webcam for one of those and so you can record me just losing my mind because I think people would get a kick out of it. Although they might feel kind of bad once I start crying because it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Although you were laughing. I was. It was quite funny. It really was. All right. So that ends our tales for this week. And we are going to move on to the next section, which is our dramatic reading. I'm not even going to attempt and all the power to poor, poor Thais here. 
because we're on our seventh part of our eight part series um for the daedric princes and uh you know what i'm just uh, just take it away good luck this book is called fragmente abyssum hermaeus morris the author is anonymous so Isgrimor collected the laments of the giant wives and brought them to Froa and Grosta, who twisted them into the woeful bowstring, so that Isgrimor could restring his mighty bow, Long Launcher. And thereafter did Long Launcher sigh when it was born, and moan when it was shot. And Isgrimor decided to take it hunting. And he hunted and slew much game in the Atmorn Frostwood, until he paused at a ford to drink his fill. Then across the stream bounded the white stag of Forlgrim, and Isgrimor shot at it and missed, which in no wise pleased him, and he swore to pursue the white stag until it fell to him. But the stag was canny and quiet, and passed as a mist over the snow, so that Isgrimor did again and again sight it and lose it, for even the sighing of the woeful bowstring made more sound than did the white stag. When again he lost the trail and stopped, sore vexed, and hair did appear and spake, saying, The stag hieth down into yon vale. How knoweth you this? demanded Isgrimor of the hare, which replied, I know, for I have long ears. Yeah, had you ears as long as mine, you too could hear your prey wherever it went. Would then, said Isgrimor, that my ears were as long as thine. At that, the hare's nose did twitch, and Isgrimor felt his ears begin to grow and point. But a fox did leap from the coppice and fell upon the hare, slaying it. And Isgrimor, in wonder, felt his ears dwindle to their wonted size. And the fox spake, saying, Know thou, mortal, that I am sure, and this was nary hare, but indeed Hermamora who did nearly trick thee into becoming of elven kind, rely you hereafter, mortal, upon the forthright methods of man, and eschew the tricks of the yells, lest ye become one. Now go, for the white stag awaiteth thee in the vale. Herma morapado adao, nagaya abaaga kava, apakra dana goria gandra arkan. Hermaeus mora, elder than Ada, Abyssal cephaliarch, hearken to the plea of this unworthy, for I come to barter for knowledge denied. That which I seek is named on this parchment, which I consume in your honor, O demon of knowledge. For my desire to know is beyond reckoning, and in recompense, whenever, whatever price his name shall be met, a hermamora, a hermamora alta dun patome lacan ai ai. My next dream was of apocrypha where I walk the halls of shadow among the nameless books, among concepts and arguments I inhaled like smoke. And my left hand was a scroll of vellum, and my right hand a plume, and I wrote histories as I passed. Yet the scroll was unfilled, for as I wrote words beneath the words above vanished. Then I paused at a plinth of lapis, for it contained an object heretofore unremarked, an urn with a curious finial. So I set aside scroll and plume, grasped the finial, and lifted the lid. Within the urn was a viscous and noisome fluid, upon which floated gray and glistening a mortal's organ of thought, and I knew 
though I know not how, that the fluid was not brine, and the brain was not preserved, but alive, alert, and brooding with a dark intellect. I dropped the lid and looked up from the urn, and saw, beyond the plinth, a long and endless corridor, lined left and right with plinths unaccountable, and upon each plinth was its urn, which was why when I awoke my tongue was bitten through. Hermes Moore is one weird guy. Like, seriously. That was probably the best book I've ever read. That was so much fun. Especially that part when I was speaking in a different language. Oh, I loved it. I hope it came out okay. Oh, it sounded perfect for my end. It really did. And props to you for reading that. Like, it, it's... They, they say that Her Hermaeus Moore, like, he has so much knowledge that it literally drives people insane just trying to find stuff so and they get lost always searching for endless knowledge it seems kind of interesting how this book almost seems like it would fit more with Shea Gorath than with Hermaeus Mora with how it just kind of jumps everywhere but uh yeah so that was our dramatic reading our next section the community spotlight I wanted to do one uh for tamrieljournal.com again and in particular they have just released a provisioning recipe master list. If you are a completionist like me, oh my goodness. Like, all, all the other stuff was, you know, there's not recipes. You just, you make them from a list. You actually had to learn recipes for cooking, and there are lots of them. And they have compiled a complete list um, for everyone now again as they said each alliance has their own version of the lower level foods the one through 35 so there's essentially three sets of one through 35 recipes but if you're interested they have a full list so you can check your list against this to make sure you have all of it or go after and find out what it is you know find one that you're missing go out and buy it because i know i'm going to be using this because i am a completionist and i want all the recipes so now I'll be able to make a checklist off of this to make, and scratch off the ones I have and the ones I don't. So if you're interested, check out tamrieljournal.com and look for their ESO provisioning recipe master, master list. Thank you, Tamriel Journal. I love you guys. You are a great part of the Elder Scrolls online community. Keep up the amazing work. Okay. Um, okay. Next up, um, if anyone is interested in joining our guild, as always, the uh, Friends and Family Guild for Tales of Tamriel, you can whisper or send an in-game mail to at Agelos, that's A-G-G-E-L-O-S, or at Tear Eater, T-E-A-R-E-A-T-E-R, -E -E for an invite to the guild, so you can chat with us. Also, for those who want the P PvP with us, even though there's really not a lot of PvP in Cyrodiil, we are representing the Ebonheart Pact on the Hope's Fire campaign blood for the pact all right now it's the time of the show where we talk about our emails and itunes I'm, you know what base you're just gonna read all of them <laughs> all right itunes excellent podcast needs fine tuning on volume levels five stars tales of tamriel is an amazing podcast and all the segments are really enjoyable especially the in-game book readings the one con that is annoying but not worth taking off stars for is the host voices vary some 
are very soft, others very loud, and sometimes the background music is overpowers the host by Skyshark. Um, definitely thank you for the five-star review. And we are working on normalizing the audio volumes. Um, we actually, I've been adjusting Thais's volume on her mic because she's a little quieter than me. I have the booming thoom of a voice that no one can seem to get away from. But my my co-hosts tend to be a lot quieter than me. Uh, when we have guests on the show, it, it, it is kind of hard because like I can, I can mess with her mic a little bit because I know the hardware she's using. And we can kind of fine-tune between ourselves. Um, but sometimes when we have guests on the show, I can't control what they're using. So as a, as a whole, when we bring guests on the show, I actually plan on doing calls with them before. And if your mic is terrible, then get a better mic before we bring you on the show. Because we do want to provide a, a great show for people. And we want them to be able to understand us. So... Hopefully you'll hear improvements in the audio once I can get some more normalization between mine and uh, Thais's mics. And then as for me, I, I am trying to teach myself to speak louder. You may not believe this, but I'm not much of a talker. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm working on it, though. So I will, I will keep trying. Next is an email from Carnegie comment. Hi, Ajelos and Thais. Just listening to episode 20 and enjoying it so far. I just heard the part where you asked about Stibbins and where he shows up again. Stibbins is a character who shows up in the Daggerfall Covenant campaign, doing his duty for the Lady Laurent, who I believe you met in Cold Harbor at the Cursed Library. You will have lots of time with the two of them, as they are reoccurring characters who will who you will see throughout all of the zones. Their quests are always a fun time, but I will say that what happens to him in Cold Harbor are probably the nicest things that happens to Stibbins in the game. Wow, that's pretty interesting. <sighs> Sucks for Stibbins. I mean, well, if it, those who've known who Stibbins looks like, he's not very attractive of a Breton. So it's kind of funny that the only people showing him interest are like Dramora and like <laughs> winged harpy creatures. Poor Stibbins. An email from Azarul. For your information, or FYI, I will go out of my way to kill anyone I see in Cyrodiil that is wearing pink Power Ranger outfit. Just a warning. Love the show. Thanks, guys. That's okay. I will still wear a uh, pink. <laughs> I support this wholeheartedly. Too bad you can't kill me in Cyrodiil. Next is from can't Dana. Can't kill anyone in Cyrodiil. There's no one there. <laughs> uh, unless you're a dragon knight, vampire, sorcerer. That's right. There's only one of those in every campaign. And they wipe everyone. Next is from Dana. So I only recently began listening to your podcast, so I understand this is like months late. And I was listening to your discussion about being able to buy the ability to have any race in any faction, and I wanted to bring up one point. This applies to myself as well. I planned to pre-order ESO, but I couldn't. My family is going on a vacation to the Caribbean with my family for 10 days, and we are literally broke. At 17, yes, I still live with my parents. Not only that, but I wanted to buy the game myself. It's not the same when I beg my parents to get it for me. My dad wanted to pre-order it as well. 
Personally, I couldn't care less what faction I am, and I like Bretons, Nords, and Bosmer. So I'm all set to be with my friends. But what about people that got hit by economic troubles before the pre-order was available and didn't get back to their feet until it was too late? I wanted to know your opinion on that. I'm very eager to play ESO when I have the money to buy it. I was on the beta. I had a great time, aside from some bugs I encountered in my horrible computer screen that wouldn't let me see anything at nighttime or indoors anywhere. Expect to hear from me again. Well, excellent. I'm glad that, uh, that you started listening. That's really cool. Um, thankfully, you guys can still get the still get the stuff because they are offering the Imperial Edition as a, uh, you know, as a uh, <laughs> just an in-game upgrade. If you're referring to the pre-order bonuses, um, here's a tip for you guys. If you don't care about the Imperial Edition or if you don't mind spending money for an upgrade, go to, um, I know, our local Walmart. Um, and wherever you would go, check, check around because they, people still have games. If they were made prior to, I guess, whatever they have codes pre-printed in, if they were in the first release, you can still get pre-order codes. Our local Walmart where we live still has copies of at least the standard edition of Elder Scrolls that do have the pre-order bonuses. So I don't think they will ever bring it into as like maybe a store item. Um, but it is still, if you search some places who had the original first run of boxes can still get the pre-order codes to play anywhere you want. So take that as a tip. Now, my opinion on the ability to get special bent. Here's something I'm going to bring in. Um, I've been following a lot of different games over the past, couple i don't know years um and one of the big crazes now are these all these different kickstarter games that are coming up and and uh all these all these different free-to-play games and stuff like that that offer items that you can only get for a limited time they're nice and yeah i i I hate when things like this are are presented especially as a buy item uh for instance just a couple days ago i got an email from neverwinter um saying that they had a relic in their zen store that was only available for two days i forget what it did it was like forbidden book of knowledge but it was a relic that you could only get for those two days and they were taking it away anyone who had the money at that point in time were able to get it am i against cash shop stores a little bit except for for vanity items and stuff like that. I I come from an old school MMO gamer where everything, when you got the game and you were paying for your subscription, everything was included. WoW broke that mold when they started offering their shop, which now essentially they have a cash shop plus a subscription fee. And a lot of other games are now doing that as well. I don't count services in that. Name changes, server stuff, um server transfers that kind of stuff should be a paid service coming from a network administrator and knowing the type of work that is required to transfer data from server to server that does put a little you're you're not really paying for for that you're paying the 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 tech people to make that change yes they might develop software to make it very easy and robust depends who it is 
but someone had to develop the process of transferring data from here to here. You are going above and beyond what what was intended from the game. You should pay extra. My place of employment, when IT is involved, like if a customer asks for something that an IT needs to get involved with, we actually charge our customer for our IT time because our bank pays us to help the bank, you know, keep everything running. They don't pay us to help customers, but when we do, we're supposed to give the amount of hours that we help them and they charge the customers for that because that's not part of our normal job description. I don't mind that kind of stuff. I think that should be paid for. When it comes to items like this, I'm not a fan of them going away either. Um, as for pre-order bonuses, I mean, I mean, they are what they are. It's not a pre-order bonus if you can get it any time. And the whole idea of pre-order bonuses are to try to front load the company with money at the start of a game launch to make people go, oh, if I pre-order it, I'll get these bonuses. That way the company knows, okay, this is how many people we know we're going to have at the start of the game. And it actually helps them project a little bit when they get those final numbers in. That's... It goes, oh, we had a million people pre-order. We need to make sure our service can handle at least a million people. You know, it's a good metric for them to go off of. So pre-order bonuses, I really don't feel they should be available after the pre-order time. I feel bad for the people who do find financial issues because trust me, I know sometimes I wish I could. I wish I could buy those uh, those statues that they have from uh, gaming heads from but I'm not going to throw down 300 bucks for them. I don't have 300 bucks at this point in time to just spend on something like that. And with only 1500 of them being made, I probably will not get the chance. It sucks. Yes. But you know, that's how it, how it goes. That's how I feel about it. You have anything you want to say about that? Uh, just that I, 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 I pretty much agree. It, it, it does suck if you don't have the money to shell out, especially for a game that you really want. But then waiting just pumps it up more because then you can listen to the podcast and you can still kind of experience it. And then when you get it, you're you're really you're happy. And I know for me, I always feel in some way, shape or form, I always feel special when I'm able to get those pre-order bonuses because then I kind of have things that not every other player has. So I'm glad a lot of times when they take away those bonuses that they're not available for everybody because it, it just kind of puts me away from all the lesser peons. It's just, I just, I, I kind of enjoy that. Although it does make me sad that you weren't able to get what you wanted. And again, just as a, as a personal note here, before you buy it online or anything, check your local stores your GameStops, your Walmarts, your Targets. Check there first. If you really want the pre-order for you and your dad, check there first because I can tell you right now, I know that they at our Walmart, they have a couple of them still available that have pre-order codes. If you look around, you can get them. Um, our Walmart also has the boxes that have the nifty maps that go with them. Oh, I see. I was telling, I'm like waving for her to like, go ahead and keep reading emails. Well, that's the end of our emails. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time for our closing thoughts. We run a real professional podcast here. I'm not even paying attention to the show notes. All right. 
final thoughts, and uh, we'll let everyone know where we can follow us. So, Thais, ladies first, give us your final thoughts for this episode. As always, I think I say it every single show, but I will never stop saying it. I loved the book that I read. I got to speak in a different language or something. I don't know what it was. I, I had to practice that before the show. <laughs> so I, I hope it, it, it came out okay. It was it was a good show. Um, I'm glad we got to talk about our, our ending adventure in Cold Harbor. And I hope that everyone gets a chance to experience it because... It really is fantastic. Just the culmination of everything you had been working towards. If you want to find me in game, you can find me at Tear Eater, T-E-A-R-E-A-T-E-R. Excellent. And uh, as for myself, um, yeah, fantastic show. Light on the news. Got a little, little rough around the edges with Zenimax and our host rant, but you know. That's why I started calling it the host rant now too, instead of just discussion title. Um, but we do, we do love Zenimax. We give, we gave a hard time today, but uh, we do love them. They're doing a fantastic job. Uh, we love their game, hence why we still play it and are still addicted to it like crazy. Uh, going forward in the next couple weeks, you'll probably hear us, like I said, talking about our uh, our alt characters. So you'll be able to hear from that as well as our VR journey. And, uh, yeah, so you can follow me in game, uh, at Agelos. It's A G G E L O S. Uh, I do have a personal Twitter account. I don't use it too terribly often, but people have been following me on it now. So that is at Agelos underscore W O F. Um, that is my, my personal Twitter. Um, so that's it. So I want to thank you guys and my, my host, my, my beautiful co-host over here for joining me this evening. Um, thank you for everyone listening to this podcast. If you wish to help support the podcast, feel free to donate via the PayPal link on our website. If you wish to contact us with questions, comments, criticisms, the website for the show is tales of or you can email the show at podcast at tales of You can follow the show on Twitter at tales of Tamriel. Facebook at facebook.com slash tales of Tamriel podcast or on YouTube at youtube.com slash tales of Tamriel. Also feel free to rate and subscribe to us via iTunes. That helps us out so much guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of tales of Tamriel. Have a great, great evening.